Engine Journal Show. This is Danny Goodwin, Executive Editor of Search Engine Journal. I'll be your host today as we continue our ongoing Better Know series. I'll be joined in just a moment by Julia McCoy. Uh, if you've never heard Julia's story before, uh, story before uh, what, what she's had to overcome, this is truly a can't-miss episode. Uh, but before that, I just want to take a minute to remind you about ShopSEJ.com. Uh, more than 1 million SEO and marketing pros visit Search Engine Journal every month. If you want to advertise your brand or product to the Search Engine Journal audience, then head over to ShopSEJ.com find the right product for you. We offer email campaigns, advertorial content, and a variety of sponsorships, such as ebooks and webinars. That includes sponsoring this very podcast that you're listening to. Uh, we have monthly and quarterly packages available now that are uh, brand new, so uh, take advantage now while the prices are low. Uh, and if you head over to shopsej.com right now, uh, we've got a really great sale going on. Buy three native ads and you'll get one for free. What a great deal. Uh, so visit shopsej.com to find out more and join our roster of satisfied advertising partners. In today's edition of Better Know a Marketing Pro, I will be talking to Julia McCoy. Julia founded her agency, Express Writers, in 2011. In the past eight years, she has built the company to over $4.5 million in gross revenue and grown her team to more than 90 members. She's also just launched a second brand called Content Hacker. Uh, you can find her contributing articles on Search Engine Journal, as well as CMI, Marketing Profs, and Thrive. She's also the author of two books, So You Think You Can Write, The Definitive Guide to Successful Online Writing, which was published in 2016, and Practical Content Strategy and Marketing, published in 2017. And uh, rumor has it that there might be a third book in the works, and I'll ask her about that in a second. But uh, yeah, welcome to the Search Engine Journal show, Julia. It's great to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. It's such an honor to be here. I've been such a big fan of Search Engine Journal for years. I love writing regularly, so this is really exciting. Awesome. It is awesome to have you here. And uh, yeah, let's get uh, right into it. So um, Express Writers. So what has sort of helped your company achieve this awesome growth that I just talked about? Uh, sort of what marketing tactics, tactics have been the most successful for, for you in achieving all that uh, great success? Yes, absolutely. Well, um, it, what's funny is whenever I started the business, it was a really simple idea. It kind of came out of asking myself, how can I follow doing what I love? And the answer to that was writing. The second answer to that was I had learned how to make money at 12 or 13 online. So I knew I wanted to blend those two things. So that became online content writing. So that was the crux of my business, first of all, was something I love to do. And I think that has made marketing it, marketing it so much easier. It just comes naturally because it's really built on what I love to do. So ever since the early days, I decided that my major form of marketing would be what I do for clients, which is writing. So we grew our site traffic, our inbound presence completely through my content. And I just committed to a schedule of one or two blogs per week that were super high quality, mm -hmm. mapped to our ideal prospects, definitely could be um, data backed. So it was all based on topics that our actual buyers were interested in. So for example, how does blogging grow my business? Mm -hmm. Topics like that. So that's what I focused on. And I started that at the beginning. And I've been surprised just through the past eight years Years, how much that worked. That is our 99% of our traffic, which turns into prospects, which turns into buyers, comes through our SEO content. Mm -hmm. And it's all SEO optimized, right, for those keyword terms. So we're being found in Google for our ideal keywords. But that has been the majority of our marketing, and it has worked across the past eight years. Awesome. So when you were initially thinking up, um, your idea sort of what was the genesis for um, you know how you came up with the idea for express writers and how did you come up with the name for express writers yes well um it was at a point in life i was actually 19 years old when i had the idea 
And I was going through college to try to get an RN degree. I had gotten halfway through college, um, halfway through the RN program. This was back in Pennsylvania. And on top of that, I was working full time at McDonald's. So I was doing like overnight shifts and then in the morning going to college. And it was just so crazy. And I could have floated that if I enjoyed nursing school, but turns out halfway through it, I was realizing, wait a minute, this is not at all my passion. I would make a terrible nurse. <laughs> so realizing that halfway through school, I just kind of instinctively thought, okay, what can I focus on? What can I come up with that I would actually enjoy doing the rest of my life? So one morning I woke up 19 years old, had that idea. And that same morning, I decided to make a plan and pursue it. And I knew that I loved to write. And I also knew that I loved the internet, loved figuring out how to make money using the internet. So I combined that. And then that morning, literally found an entire industry, kind of came across it accidentally. And that was mm -hmm. freelance writing. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea just came one morning when I was like, okay, I have to figure out what I love to do. And I have to see if there's an industry for me to fit in. And I found it. And then that week, I started creating a profile for myself. And I started picking up clients. And then in three months, I was able to quit McDonald's. I failed out of nursing school. So luckily <laughs> I had started down that other path mm -hmm. and I was already making revenue <clears throat> and a consistent monthly earning. Awesome. So did the name express writers come early or did that come a little bit later um, after you moved from freelancing to uh, actually, you know, creating your business? Yes. Yes. So the name, um, that was, gosh, that was a five minute business idea that I had oh. and I just ran with it. Mm -hmm. So, um, after three months I had been teaching myself content writing, freelance writing, picking up client after client three months down the road, I was at a breaking point. It was either I start turning away clients or I start a business. Mm -hmm. I was just getting inundated with referral clients, new clients, so that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to try to start a business. And I, you know, I had no business knowledge, didn't even know if this idea was going to work, didn't even think it would last like more than a year, Sure. <laughs> but I decided I might as well try it. You know, mm -hmm. what's the harm in trying? So Express Writers was just a five minute idea. I liked it, came up with it. I was like, oh, I need a business name. Oh, I like Express Writers. Mm -hmm. And I just ran with it. Wow. I wish it was more creative than that. <laughs> <laughs> that is the story. Awesome. So yeah, so, so what did you find early on, like the best way to sort of build up your clients? Uh, was it reputation or was it just like going out there and doing awesome work and getting referrals? What, what sort of worked for you early, early on as you were building up the business? Yes. So early on, it was, gosh, it was a lot of long weeks and late nights. Mm -hmm. And the majority of my focus was on freelance writing platforms. And back then, there was less competition. This was 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. So back then, Upwork was two different platforms, Odesk and Elance. They've now merged and renamed. So on the both those freelance platforms, I created a profile and I went and applied to my goal was like, I think my 50 gigs a day is what I was applying to. And mm -hmm. if I wasn't winning at least a 20% conversion ratio, which it was anywhere from 20 to 50% mm -hmm. of those applications, I was actually getting accepted in contracts. So it was so much effort put in because I was really excited and I had found something I loved. So I just stayed up really late every night on those platforms, applying to job after job. Mm -hmm. And then everything started growing because I did get referral clients from, you know, just making sure the work was timely, high quality. What was crazy is back then, a lot of the writers on those platforms, they weren't even native English. Mm. So mm -hmm. my differentiation point, you know, it didn't have to be all that fancy. It just needed to be, I needed, I needed to write well and I needed to send in work on time. So I met those two points and I outperformed like 60% of the competition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Yep. Awesome. Um, so actually that was kind of interesting. You came into the industry around the time when content marketing was really starting to explode. That was right around the mm -hmm. time frame and you know, Penguin and Panda were launching and everyone was starting yes. to really like buy into the whole content is king thing. So, um, so in the early days, I mean, obviously, um, 
you know, you didn't have the background in SEO when you started, but you were a great writer. So how did you sort of learn SEO and start applying that to, uh, to the stuff you were writing? Yes, absolutely. Well, it was tied to a lot of the gigs I was applying to on these platforms were specifically for SEO content writers. Okay. So I had to, I pretty much had no choice but to learn how to start keyword optimization mm -hmm. and studying Google. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that because 90% of my clients want it. And whenever I started studying it, I'm like, this is so cool. It's like taking writing and then elevating it to data research and you know, a huge, massive traffic source, which Google brings in like 60% of the world's traffic. Mm -hmm. So if you can map your content to be found there, it's like really exciting. So um, I started just teaching myself SEO standards and I started getting familiar with all the Google updates. Just like you said, Panda was rolling out back mm -hmm. then. And, you know, a lot of people were, oh, my site got deranked. I really need better content. Right. So then it was just um, watching what worked, right? So I would use my own blog as kind of like a test for this. And I would go research keywords and I would create content that was optimized and I would kind of play with it until it achieved that top five ranking. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of trial and error just getting to what works. Gotcha. Very cool. So at what point um, did you start realizing, hey, you know, this is too much for just one person to take on? And when did you start, um, you know, start really looking at growing, um, you know, your team and all that? Yes. Um, so that was, gosh, it was really three months after I decided that one morning at 19, okay, I'm going to see if I can make a living out of writing. Mm -hmm. So within three months, everything went really fast because I just, I really tried to apply myself because I knew that, okay, if I'm going to make money at this, right, you have to really put in a lot of effort. This is a new trade. I'm a brand new beginner to this. Mm -hmm. So it was lots of hard work and then everything just started accruing. And the idea for a business, I had been following entrepreneurs for a while. I really respected different entrepreneurs, um, followed YouTube channels. I think one of my early ones that I listened to was Evan Carmichael. Mm -hmm. So I already had like this ambition, I think inside to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. So starting the business, that instinctual idea following that turned into a really good idea. And it was just based on following my instincts at the time mm -hmm. because of that crux I was at. Do I turn away work because I can't do it anymore? Or do I assemble a team of people? And I had one goal whenever I decided to start a business. And that one goal was I need to find writers at least as good as me. And mm -hmm. that one goal has really propelled us forward because that's still actually my current goal. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, so how, um, as you've been growing your team, um, have you been learning any sort of tricks or tips on like how to spot, uh, you know, like the, the good writers, the ones who are, um, you know, able to adapt to your client's needs? Um, and how do you like determine like who's going to be a hard worker or who might just be someone who will flake out really quick? Have you been able to master that yet? Or is that an ongoing uh, challenge for you when you're trying to hire new uh, team members? Oh gosh, I would say that is a 50-50 mix. 50% 50 of the time I have this, I have a qualification process that I have hammered out over the years that rules out Oh gosh, I think it's 90% of applicants that come our way. Mm -hmm. So that at least gets us to the writers that know their trade, or even if they're not advanced, they don't have to be advanced writers, like, you know, super qualified. They just have to know how to form sentences that sound and read really well. Mm -hmm. So that basic skill set is unfortunately lacking from a lot of so-called writers. So only through that qualification process, that testing process, do we find that bottom line skill set we need. And then from there, it's we bring them into the team and 50% of the time, we get people that completely flake out on us. And that part, you know, I, I have to say, I haven't really cornered. That is super hard to predict, mm -hmm. unfortunately. I wish yep. it wasn't, but right. it's a people thing. Sure. You can't really figure out people. Yep. Yeah. And your entire team, am I correct in saying that you're all virtual as well? Yes, yep. we are all remote. Awesome. Okay. And that must make it a little trickier too, especially if you're, I would assume all your hiring takes place online. 
<laughs> it does. Yeah. Yes, it really adds another level of complexity. You right. Know, because in the end, I wish I could be there with them and, you know, have that face-to-face -face interaction, but we can't because we're all remote. And that's a great opportunity because our people love working from home, mm -hmm. but it really does add a more difficult layer to hiring. Sure. So um, let's see. So obviously, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, you know, the, you know, running a business is very much a roller coaster. There's a lot of good times, but there's also a lot of bad times. So, as the owner of uh, as of, as the owner of Express Writers, what keeps you motivated when uh, you know times are trying? Like maybe you say you lost a client, or you know, just something might not be going as well as you wish it was. Hmm. Oh, that is that is a tough question. You know, it's I wish I had a good answer, but uh, for me, what I've learned is it's, it's okay to kind of let myself be in those trenches where, you know, there's some weeks, there's some nights where I'm in tears because I can't figure something out or, you know, uh -huh. we did lose that big client account and I don't really have an answer. So what I've learned is instead of like trying to work all night and figure it out or hustle really hard that week to get a new client, it's so much better just to, sit in there, hang in there and kind of like go through that process of feeling everything your employees, your other team members are feeling <clears throat> and just keep that private. Of course, you want to build their rapport. So <clears throat> presenting, you know, an example of leadership to them is important, but behind the scenes, it's okay to feel all those feels. You mm -hmm. have to allow yourself room for that. And that's what I've learned. So there isn't really, I wish I had a quick hack to, you know, new motivation, but it's for me, it's just feeling, letting myself be in that place. And then knowing that tomorrow is a new day. Mm -hmm. And that gives me the opportunity to just go through whatever I need to go through and then get up the next day and try to start fresh, whether that's beginning a new game plan, creating a new set of goals that we need to go after. So that's kind of my process. And the first five years I approached it differently. I definitely tried to find motivation, you know, pick up a book or a podcast or something and all those things help, but I've just learned it's better <clears throat> to allow myself to be in that place of really not feeling good and staying there however long and mm -hmm. moving on. Nice. Uh, let's see. So yeah, I, I, I watch your exploits, you know, all the time on Facebook and LinkedIn, seeing all the amazing stuff you're doing. And I just have, I have to know what's your secrets of pro productivity and how do you like avoid distractions? <laughs> because it seems like you're like just constantly doing things. So do you have any sort of like tips for people who want to be more productive? Ah, oh, that is a question. I can't tell you how many times I get. <laughs> <laughs> I do hear that a lot. Well, so that was something um, I actually put together a blog, a bigger blog on that topic. And I go through, I think, 30 different tools I use in my home office specifically mm. that kind of give me a more ergonomic environment. So that's one thing I found, like your baseline environment that you work in, free of clutter, um, you know, something, uh, water nearby so you can stay hydrated at all times. Mm -hmm. That'll give you better mental energy. Just those basics that I think a lot of us might not remember in our busy days to set. And if those basics are set, the day gets so much better and performance can really increase. So I definitely can share that blog link with you. It's it's pretty massive guys, oh, sure. with yeah. all of my tips. Yeah, we'll definitely and, include that in the in the recap post for sure. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I will send that your way because that could be a couple hours or I could just send the blog. Sure. <laughs> that makes the most sense. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so I guess looking back from, I guess, where you started to today, uh, you, as you said, you probably weren't expecting to be, a, you know, here, here at the same company. What do you what do you think when you look back? Are, are you proud of all you've accomplished? How are you feeling about everything that you've done uh, in building Express Writers? Mm. Yes, that is a good question. I would say, you know, I'm, I feel really thankful in many ways to be able to work with a lot of talented writers, the writers that we have brought in HR is a tough process, but the writers that we do find they're so talented and we all kind of operate at the same level. You know, we're kind of all SEO content nerds. So we learn together, we grow together. And that's been such a fun part of the journey is knowing that my team 
and I kind of have the same mindset and we can all move forward as one. So whenever we're synchronous, you know, looking back, that is something I really prize and I'm thankful that I've been able to experience that as a business owner. And then just, you know, perspective looking back, there were times when I really didn't think I would get through that obstacle, get through that difficulty. But looking back, you know, hindsight's 2020 and it's just, it is, it's crazy how many things you can't overcome whenever you just keep persisting. As simple as that sounds, but it's so true. Yep. Do you have an example in mind that you think of maybe like one time where you were sort of really struggling with the business and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to keep going at this point. Um, did you ever have one of those moments? And if so, like, you know, what did you learn from it? And, um, you know, how has that sort of shaped, um, shaped you? Yes. Well, there, <laughs> I've had so many lessons because I really started this with no knowledge. So I just learned as I went mm -hmm. and, you know, I think what has helped me keep going is my business was started on so much passion. So I knew that I loved what I did. And that's like the first thing you need. Once you have that, you can learn almost anything. Mm -hmm. So, but there's been a lot of obstacles, right? I think the biggest one probably was what happened in 2016. Several people listening might already know this story, but I had hired um, two managers. They were actually overseas in Europe that we trusted with everything. They had earned that level of trust, I thought. <laughs> so they had worked for me for three years. They had worked so hard and they essentially had the keys to the castle and they were running almost everything without accountability. And that was something I've learned since. You know, that is an error. That is mm -hmm. something never to do as a business owner to just let things run by themselves because that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you you can build systems, but if you have people, you can't really leave them to themselves. Even, even the good ones, they still need that connection and accountability. So these two managers ended up embezzling from us over an eight month period. And whenever I finally found it out, I immediately fired them, but the gap was so big and they had actually tried to steal our client accounts. They tried to wipe the mm. lists. Oh, they man. left in a really bad way. Like they just pretty much sat, were going to try to sabotage us, bring us all the way down. Oof. So less than a week after I fired them, they started a clone of our business. And because they were overseas, I couldn't go after them. Mm -hmm. They were reselling like all of my services with my internal training oh, wow. for pennies on the dollar. So that was back in 2016. And when that happened, you know, I just that week, that was a Mother's Day weekend. And, mm -hmm. and I had a two year old. So I was just like, how am I going to get through this? I don't think I can. But I knew that, you know, if there was something that was going to bring me down, it wasn't going to be them. And I really wanted to just keep going mm -hmm. and try to figure it out, even if I couldn't. So that's kind of the mindset I had. And we plugged through, we worked really hard. And we kind of restructured our roles, came up with a much better process. And today, looking back, what I can say is that, you know, if it wasn't for that experience, as bad as it was, I don't think I would have learned the leadership skills that I needed today mm -hmm. to run this company to the level it's at. So in a way, I'm thankful for what I learned from that experience and all the HR lessons, you know, all the leadership lessons from that. But mm -hmm. That was a pretty crazy moment, you know, yeah. in the trenches. It was just wow. like, I'm not going to come out of this. This feels pretty bad. Mm. But we did. Yep. Yeah. And you're you're doing great now. So, oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, is there um, how would how do you sort of define success for yourself and for your company? Hmm. Yes. So we have, you know, we try to stay very practical with our goals and that has really helped us achieve um, consistent growth. And some months we slump after the months that we grow, but that's kind of, that's kind of the content writing pattern. Mm -hmm. in summer in July, we have a lot of marketers that kind of take off or they slow down, but we still pretty much keep on a good growth track. So we just set very, very tangible goals. Like this week, we're gonna try to see if we can convert, you know, close to 80% of the people that we've been having conversations with. Mm -hmm. And those people that we have conversations with, they're so hot. It's really easy to achieve that goal because they came in inbound. They already like us, know us, trust us. Mm -hmm. So we can easily achieve those goals that we set if we put in the work and if we have the right team in place. Cool. Now, if you had to start over Express Writers today, knowing what you know now, 
Is there anything you would do differently? Ah, oh, that is a good question. You know, I've been um, reading Paul Jarvis lately and the power of what he talks about, a small team. So you really don't need a huge team to run a highly profitable business. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the errors I made early on is trying to staff too many people. Oh, and okay. now like we only have two leaders below me that run the whole team of 90 plus writers. Mm -hmm. So in the management team, you really don't need a lot of people. In fact, too many people can cause some crossovers to happen where, you know, two people are emailing the same client, but they're not talking before they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we've had some of that happen. So a small but effective leadership team, I would say it's one of the biggest lessons I've had. If I were to start over, I would mm -hmm. look for, you know, my one or two people to start that team with. Excellent. So uh, in addition to Express Writers, you've just launched a new brand called Content Hacker, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, why don't you tell everybody yes. what, the, what, the, what is that exactly? What is Content Hacker? Yeah, so Content Hacker is kind of my answer to a consistent industry gap that I see that often comes up with our clients. In my um, trainings, I just started launching courses back in 2017. So kind of getting into the education side of content strategy and marketing, and especially SEO powered content marketing. So I found there's quite a lack of practical training from you name it workshops to presentations to <clears throat> strategies and consulting. So that's kind of my answer to that industry need is to start that brand. So Content Hacker is kind of my place for elite content strategy and marketing. And it's condensing all the past eight years of what I've learned in content marketing mm -hmm. and serving that to clients through consulting creation, and then just packing all my best resources there. And I'm really excited about that because before launching, I kind of didn't have a personal brand, but I had a personal brand presence. So now I finally have one place that people can go for all of that other stuff that I do besides express writers. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And as I also teased in our opening, uh, that you may have a third book on the way. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about your two prior uh, books. Um, so you had two published in twenty six, or one in twenty sixteen, one in twenty seventeen. Uh, what was the process yes. like? Obviously, you've been doing a lot of um, you know online writing, but how is it different going from online writing and back to like the world of books? Was that a, a big adjustment or readjustment? Had you ever done anything like that? Any sort of long form book writing before you did these two books, or uh, yeah, just sort of. Walk us through the experience of writing these books. Yes, um, great question. Well, whenever I first asked myself, you know, what is my passion? Writing was actually tied to back at nine, ten years old. I was writing um, the a base of a fiction trilogy, and oh. by twelve, I had this two hundred and fifty page book that I was going to pitch to publishers. But uh, back then, I had saved it on a three and a half floppy, and the disc corrupted one day, oh. and I lost the whole book. Oh no! So, <laughs> yes, but <clears throat> my earliest foray into writing was books. So I knew that if I go down this path of an online writing career, I have to get back to books because that's like my top. That is my top passion when it comes to writing. But um, since I didn't write my first book till 2016 and I had been doing online writing for five years before that, it was definitely an adjustment because a book is so different than, you know, a, um, a blog tied to like an SEO ranking goal. So a book is so much more intense and the research you have to conduct and the content you mm -hmm. have to create is on an entirely different level. So it was quite a challenge, the first book. Mm -hmm. But um, once I got used to the whole process and I kind of taught myself self-publishing, I hired someone to format the book for Kindle. So all of that was a learning curve as well. And it just, whew, it was a lot of late nights and a lot of self-editing. So I learned a lot from that first book. And my second book was actually almost double the size. Mm -hmm. And I did that in half the time. Oh. So after that first book was done, it was like, oh, okay, I'm over the hurdle of, you know, learning all of that. Now I can do it again and again, and it's just going to keep getting easier. Right. So were you happy, I guess, with the results of, uh, you know, what, what came out of those books and, but with the end product yes. and the response? 
I have been um, pleasantly surprised, you know, and I think that for me, um, learning through that process, one of the biggest things I've learned is how much of an evergreen format a book is. Mm -hmm. You know, you can write um, tons of blogs, but if you write a book, gosh, the amount of evergreen prospects that, that can come from that is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. So that is something I've learned. We definitely get agency prospects that come in after they read my book. So like oh. someone in their marketing team reads my book and they're like, oh, I'm here because of Julia's book. Mm -hmm. Or I'll get like tagged on an Instagram story and um, a marketer is reading my book and then later on they're considering buying my courses. So that book is almost like your best inbound content tool. That's mm -hmm. what I've learned after creating it. And I did not expect that. I really didn't know what to expect because it was my first book, but that happened. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so what can you tell us about your upcoming book? I know we, I, I, I know from talking to you before we started recording that we don't have a date yet for it, but what can you tell us about uh, what we can expect in your third, third book? Yes, absolutely. So the third book, um, it's actually in the stages of editing before it goes to publishing. So um, we've been a little delayed and to me at this point, quality is my number one goal. So I put that above deadlines when it comes to my side projects. So unfortunately we haven't hit um, publishing goals and deadlines yet, but we're getting really close. Mm -hmm. So 18 months ago, I started that book and it has, whew, <laughs> talk about a tough content project mm -hmm. that, so that book is the story of my life. It's a narrative nonfiction. So it reads like a story. I've created it to be super compelling. I have several beta readers that have told me, you know, they couldn't put it down. They read it in three days mm. and um, it's about 130,000 words, which is like 250 paperback pages. I think I'm writing it in Scrivener. So I know all those weird details because of that app, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that book has been a totally different format than my other books and a totally different topic, a very personal topic. And my story is pretty crazy. I know that you know some of it, Danny. Yep. So that book has been, it's almost been a therapeutic journey because mm -hmm. I've been kind of writing through all the processes that you go through in order to heal from whatever you went through in the past that was trauma. Mm -hmm. So writing that book has been quite the journey and I'm really excited to share it one day. Awesome. So yeah, I wanted to get into that topic a little bit. Um, and feel free to, of course, say as much or as little as you want to. But um, yeah, in 2018, this I found about this myself in 2018. I had n no idea about this. You uh, published a post uh, called I lived in a cult and was ready to give up. Mm. Today, I'm a successful female CEO with a million dollar business. Um, that, it was, it's, it's an amazing read. We're obviously going to link to it in the in the uh, recap post, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask, ask you a little bit about that. Um, because it was just sort of mind blowing to me that someone can come from that sort of situation. And literally that headline says it all, you know, you came from a cult and now you're a really successful mm -hmm. entrepreneur, million dollar business. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, I guess I'd just sort of like to start with, um, what was your childhood like, uh, in that situation? And again, you can share as much or as little as you want. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, that, um, gosh, whenever I published that post, you know, it was me, first of all, coming out for the first time with that story, because it's something that's really hard to heal from. Mm -hmm. So um, whenever I grew up in Pennsylvania, we kind of grew up right outside Amish country. Um, but we weren't Amish. But if I was to describe our lifestyle, that would be the closest description. So we were essentially we grew up, my sister and I grew up in a cult and it was completely cut off from everyone else. So my dad was the leader of this church, but it was just his family going. He excommunicated people that started to come because they weren't conforming to one of his millions of standards, mm -hmm. which included clothing rolls. You know, I wore nothing but long dresses, long skirts. So we were definitely in the minority and it was a very secluded environment growing up and there was a lot of abuse that happened um, behind closed doors that no one knew about because mm -hmm. of the image portrayed you know here's this religious leader he looks great in the community but no one knows that he's actually beating his children every day behind closed mm -hmm. doors mm -hmm. so that was happening and that happened all the way up until i was 18. Mm -hmm. 
and that kind of um, living in that household, it kind of made me go inside of myself. So, you know, I, I kind of realized that I was creative early on Mm -hmm. and I gravitated towards stories. Mm -hmm. I kind of lived through books. We weren't allowed to watch TV, so that was not a part Mm -hmm. of our lifestyle. So I had no choice but to, you know, find some source of keeping myself busy. And so Mm -hmm. I found two things, books. And then, um, strangely enough, my parents allowed us to get online Mm -hmm. as soon as like eight years old. So thankfully, I had that avenue where I could, you know, explore a whole different side of life. And Mm -hmm. I just fell in love with the Internet. And luckily I gravitated towards, okay, how can I make money on it instead of, you know, the dark side (laughs) of the internet that definitely exists. Mm -hmm. So I kind of found a, a place where I could, you know, explore my creativity, explore my talents through the internet. And I am so thankful that that is one thing that was not uh, prohibited in our household because almost everything else was from Mm -hmm. rock music to you know, wearing pants to so many different things. Mm. But luckily, that one thing was not taboo. Mm -hmm. So at what age did you sort of realize that something was, like, wrong with how you were growing up? Like, do you remember when you had that realization that, you know, this isn't normal? Mm. Yeah, it is so, um, you know, looking back now, because I've left that environment in 2012, Mm -hmm. so it's only been seven years mm-hmm. and um, it took me, I would say, uh, well, the reason I left was because, you know, I knew that I couldn't live there anymore, but mm-hmm. I don't think I still named it as abuse, even whenever I left. Mm-hmm. Like I still wanted nothing but good to happen to my father's name because that's what had been instilled in us every day. So I mm-hmm. was afraid of him. You know, I didn't want to name it what it was. And that's why it took me a while to tell this story and then Mm -hmm. finally write a book about it because I was definitely in denial. Sure. (laughs) Growing up, like, we didn't even know CPS existed. So not until I left did I know what that was and that I could have reported what was happening to us. So I would say within the first 12 months after I left, I started calling it abuse, but it took me till last year to really name what specifically it was Mm -hmm. and kind of heal from that. Mm -hmm. And you have to first acknowledge it, you know, to heal from it. So that was, that was really tough. Right. Um, And what's, I guess I I find it really fascinating that you were basically, and your business sort of started there too, while you're still in the cult, which is kind of amazing um, that 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 happens. So, um, and I guess, and I, I think I read that you, like, early on, like, you had family members who were part of your staff early on. Is that correct? Yes, that is right. And that's something I explore a lot in the book in detail, how that was actually something that was very detrimental to my business in the early stages because mm-hmm. something that um, I was forced to do was hire my family members by my dad Mm -hmm. forced to provide a living in several ways. And one of those ways was you have to hire your family members. So unfortunately you can't really tell, you can't really tell your mom, especially in that environment that, you know, she's not a good writer or that she's late. So (laughs) things happened really, I lost a couple of client accounts. So Mm -hmm. that was not a good thing. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was all, all, all all we need to talk about that. So we'll move on to happier topics. Uh, I want to talk (laughs) to you about speaking because you're actually sort of new to speaking. You've really built up yourself based Mm. all on your writing, which is kind of unique in this industry. Um, and I know you'll be speaking at content marketing world this year. So congratulations for that. Um, I was just curious, um, why you didn't try to go out and speak sooner and how has that all been going for you so far? Yes. Well, uh, so, you know, something that I definitely came out of whenever I escaped the cold, started my business, um, I came out of that with uh, this huge anxiety. So mm-hmm. I really couldn't, like, I couldn't function in public. So even thinking of public speaking was terrifying. Mm-hmm. I start just getting a heart flutter, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had, like, crippling um, anxiety in public. So it took me quite a few years just to get over that Mm -hmm. and to realize, okay, I'm out in the normal world. I can function. I can, you know, feel confident in what I do. 
And it took me till the end of last year to want to even apply for a speaking gig. Mm -hmm. So the only reason I have, you know, because we have such a great uh, presence through my content writing. So writing is my first and primary passion. And since I love doing that so much, mm -hmm. um, I just stuck with it and it really paid off. So it's not that I have to go out and speak in order to make revenue, which I'm really thankful for, mm -hmm. but it's more that, okay, I want to overcome another obstacle. I want to see if I can, you know, grow past another challenge. So that's the only reason I've started doing it is to challenge myself to another level that maybe I'm not so comfortable with, but maybe once I get started doing, I will actually enjoy and thrive from so um, this year, yes, it's definitely been quite the challenge to pursue that. So Content Marketing World will be my fourth um, speaking engagement this year. Mm -hmm. And one of the four uh, or one of the three that I've done so far was paid. And it was paid at a rate that was well above average. So it was a workshop out in California for a pretty large agency. Mm. And I just spoke to a room of 15, 20 people. And that was pretty grueling. I would say it was like one of the best boot camps I could have gone through for speaking because mm -hmm. it was a half day workshop. So it was like oh, wow. four and a half hours of speaking. Mm. So taking that on, you know, coming out of that successfully, I felt like, okay, I can take on the world now. But <laughs> what I was really thankful about and surprised to find out was, you know, what they offered me to do that. So I think that it really um, shows that even if you've built your career through an alternate means other than speaking, you can still demand those rates right. because of the knowledge that you have. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely something, you know, I was really excited to find out awesome. once I got started. Yeah, that's, that's great. So I'm glad that's going well for you. Um, in terms of how do you, how do you keep current um, on all the changes? Do you have any uh, sort of go-to uh, people, blogs, uh, publications, podcasts, is there anything you would sort of recommend to listeners um, for anyone who wants to stay up on the latest in SEO and marketing? Yes. Um, so, gosh, I have this list. I have, I'm subscribed to so many um, different publications, but I really only read from two or three now that I read just like religiously. As soon as they publish something, I go and read it. So those three, um, one of them would be Brian Dean at Backlinko. Anything he publishes is really solid advice. I've uh -huh. put it into practice, you know, tested everything he said. So it's just really great stuff. Uh -huh. And then um, Rand Fishkin at Moz is someone else. I really love um, his SlideShares, specifically uh -huh. his presentations on SlideShare. It's just like... He'll do one talk, you know, I think it's like one or two a year now, but the presentations are have so much crazy data. Mm -hmm. You can sit there and read them for like hours and still you're learning something new. Mm -hmm. So anytime he tweets, here's my slides, I go and read that immediately. Mm. And other than those two, um, Smart Blogger, anything that gets published there is also really great advice mm -hmm. for writers. Um bloggers that type of audience so that's something else that i love to read from awesome um one one question just popped into mind i'm just thinking about like all the content that you, you've created for sej and for all these other sites do you ever reach a point where you're just like not necessarily burnt out but just like you know i need a break from this um <laughs> you know all this writing like non-stop writing um yeah. Yeah. So good question. Um, you know, so I used to go through quite a lot of burnout in the first few years. Mm -hmm. And back then my focus was uh, really different. It was just to get content out. And I really didn't like stand back and look at it from, you know, the top of the mountain, from mm -hmm. the top of the tree. Sure. I was just in the forest trying to get it done. So um, in the last three years, late 2016, actually, something I set in place was a process for myself. And that process has really helped me to where 99% of the time, whenever I'm creating content, I am not burned out unless I'm working too late, which is still my weak spot. Mm. <laughs> I mm -hmm. tend to stay up too late ah. <laughs> and then I'll burn myself out. Sure. But if I don't do that, <clears throat> I'm good. And the process that I have is just like different days for different stages. Mm. So like Monday is my brainstorming day and all I'm doing is coming up with ideas that day. So that could be an idea for my next search engine journal post. 
or um, the right blog or now content hacker mm-hmm. or one of the other publications that I'm writing for. And then I just have this ongoing list of tons and tons of ideas. And mm-hmm. I kind of make sure that each idea that I run with out of that list is data backed. So I'm plugging in my terms in Sumo. I'm looking at the popularity, seeing if there's actual trends behind these terms that support publishing a piece of content. And that's how I get to something that is read, shared a lot, because it's not just, you know, something that is a potential good fit, but it's also been data back. So there's traction on that topic already. And if I can figure that out, that is, that always guarantees a higher ROI post for me. Mm -hmm. So that process of different days for different steps in creation has really helped me avoid burnout. So I don't really ever go from, okay, one day I have to come up with a post, I have to write it, I have to edit it, I have to get it out. There's never a day. Instead, I usually stay three weeks ahead with that process in place. Yeah. So I I can actually enjoy creating content. Nice. (laughs) That's a good system. I like it. Um, Let's switch over. Uh, I did get a couple of reader questions. so I want to work those in now. First one was from Brooke Frederick of Bubble Up Marketing. She says, my biggest struggle is getting our content strategy uh, blog posts to convert for the local brick and mortar businesses that our agency manages content creation for. She would love some actionable advice and or real world examples if possible. If you could uh, provide her with any advice there. Oh, very cool. So she's trying to do content marketing for local brick and mortars. Is that correct? Correct, yep. So I would say um, for that, and we have definitely had those um, kind of brick and mortar type of industries come through our um, agency prospects at Express Writers, and we built content for them that's been successful. So uh, for that, I would say every content idea that you go ahead and publish before you get to, okay, let's create, which you know is a lot of investment, time, money, and different staff involved. So before you get to that process, make sure the ideas can directly be mapped over to something that your prospect or their prospect would say or search for. So if you have a term that a prospect from that brick and mortar is searching online, that term, you can do some research around, you can find synonymous terms, semantic terms through SEM research using different tools. Um, SEMrush is one of my favorites. And you can look at trends, competition, always go after the lower competition keywords, but that's definitely where to start in order to get an idea that you can produce content on and then eventually see a prospect come in through is just make sure whatever you're researching, creating on the STEM idea is something that your prospect has said at some point in the um, stages of the sales funnel or something they say whenever they're searching for you. Excellent. Okay. And yes, it totally does. Uh, I have one other reader question. I want to just get in Uh, Neil Baker a uh, digital marketing executive and content writer asked the following. Uh, he'd be interested in your thoughts around making a company a hub of information uh, for one of their demographics as a way of building brand and nurturing potential leads. Uh, as an example, he says, a company that creates a hub of interview tips blogs in order to c- attract entry-level talent into the business. Uh, can this get more in depth than a paragraph at the bottom of each blog around we're hiring, join our team, etc. Ooh, that is a really cool strategy that Neil's putting together. So um, creating hubs and then basing your content marketing around targeted demographics is like always usually yields more profitable results. So a really good example of someone that does this successfully is um, the Cleveland Clinic. They publish different little health hubs and those hubs have tons of really good SEO content that actually appears, I think, in the answer boxes for different medical questions like, how can I heal my toe fungus, you know, for example. (laughs) So those kinds of rankings Um, they achieve through different hubs that have targeted content. And I would just say um, to go further into your strategy, one thing you could do is create CTAs that ask for their email 
And mm. um, what you could do is give away a free ebook in order to get that email. Cause you know, we have to earn people's emails these days yep. with something good. So create a targeted ebook um, slash lead magnets mm. and create it around their pain point and give them more on the topic. And then once they download that, you have their email, build a email sequence that continues to nurture them through those stages, whatever kind of goal you have. If it's um, have them apply for a position, or convert uh, i think it was applying right it was recruiting was his goal uh yes mm -hmm. so that could be the end goal of that email sequence is here's how to apply with us here's a success story mm -hmm. or here's what our employees said about us so that way you're continuing to nurture them when they leave that site and that will definitely increase your chances of hitting that goal a lot more often mm -hmm. Excellent. Thanks for the question, Neil. Um, I just have a few more questions for you, Julia, uh, sort of reflection and fun questions. So uh, let's start with, do you have a uh, favorite professional or a uh, favorite professional memory or a highlight moment, something that sort of stands out uh, from your career as like a high, high mark for you? Mm. Oh, goodness. That is a fun question. Huh. I would have to say, um, last year, early on, we broke this goal that I did not expect we were even going to meet that January. And not only did we break it, but we continued to exceed it every single month that year. Yeah. So last year was like such a celebratory year. So the goal that we exceeded um, starting in January was to make 100K a month. Mm -hmm. So we did that in January, and then we continued to do it all year. And that was just such a massive highlight. You know, it's like you can work so hard, put so many late nights in, and then, you know, go through something like what we went through, almost lose our company to two people stealing. So it makes that success like so much sweeter whenever it comes. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a really big celebration for us. That's awesome. Uh, next question. Uh, as a wife and mother, are you able to maintain a good work-life balance? And if so, how? Oh, I like that question. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, what adds a, a interesting dynamic to that is that my husband and I work together on mm -hmm. Express Writers. So early on, whenever we met, we met because he hired me to write his website content. Oh. And um, an even crazier story, he's actually the reason I, or he was the person that I went to whenever I escaped the cult. So, oh, wow. like, lots of things going on there, right? He finds me hires me to write his content. And then he's like the only and first person that I feel I can open up to about what life was really like back in 2012. Mm. So he helped get me out. He was that person waiting on the other end. And, you know, he was everything he said he was and just really awesome. Mm -hmm. So we hit it off. We got married three months after we met. And um, instead of adding a difficult dynamic, I think that it makes what we do like so much easier because yeah. we can talk to each other about it at any time mm -hmm. and we kind of both get the struggles. So yes, we definitely have fights now and then when we don't agree, Sure, <laughs> but you know, we move past those and the rest of the time, like 90% of the time, all the way up to 95% of our week, it's spent um, kind of in sync where we're just able to talk about projects, get each other's thoughts and advice. And I am definitely more of a day-to-day -day thinker and he's like a futuristic. So that really adds a cool dynamic to what we're able to do together. Hmm. And being a mom is like, it is so rewarding. I, I like to say that it's one of the best projects that I do, even though it's not really a project, <laughs> but it's just so rewarding, you know, to be able to parent a little mini me and be able to have her in my life, my, my daughter. So work-life balance has been interesting. I, it hasn't been easy necessarily, but it's definitely rewarding, you know, mm -hmm. to have someone to come home to, to spend time with on the weekends that you love. So mm -hmm. that part is just, it makes everything worth it. Yep. Makes the balance worth it. Awesome. Uh, let's see, if you weren't in, 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 in marketing, what profession would you love to be doing instead? Oh. I would have to say probably writing fiction in the um, apocalyptic 
style, like ah. apocalyptic neo western specifically Ooh. in that genre. Yes, very, very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that a draw for you? Is that your like, favorite that thing is, to read? Yes, it yep. is. It's one of my favorite styles to read. Yep. Oh, okay. Very cool. Is that the was that um, is that similar to what you were writing as a younger person, or is that something totally different? Unfortunately, what I had to write when I was 9, 10, 11, I had to pass my dad's judgment. So oh, okay. Good. It was kind of, you know, a little bit religious ah. and included that style. But it, since I had to go, and it was also decade tied, so I couldn't write anything based in the new millennium oh. or present day. So I had to go back in time. But hmm. it was actually fun because I found an era that I've kind of become a, a nerd in so the medieval era specifically the dark ages uh -huh. that's where my book was set um fiction that happened in the medieval era oh very cool okay uh let's see what is the best piece of either marketing advice or professional advice that's ever been given to you and who gave it to you oh i would have to say <laughs> Um, kind of off the grid advice, not something you would expect, but I have learned so much from working beside my husband. So one of the um, thoughts he gave me, I think this was two years into my career. And since we met and started working together very early on, like in the first full year of running my business. So he's kind of been there since the beginning and he's really been through all the struggles with me. So I think for me, it is so much easier to take advice when it comes from someone like that, because it doesn't feel like it's an outsider that has, you know, nothing that has no empathy to shed on the situation. But uh, my husband, he just kind of tells it like he sees it. So he's really honest. And that can come across tough for me sometimes because I have to I have to take that and use it. But um, I really appreciate that because in the end, honesty helps me grow. So early on, you know, he pointed out some errors in the blogs that I was publishing, just like research errors that I could have done a little bit, bit more research, mm -hmm. pulled more current statistics, and um, just a few like baseline typos. So I was publishing and not really caring about that because I thought mm -hmm. that quantity was better than quality. Mm -hmm. And he was the first person that pointed out, you know, maybe you should rethink that. Maybe quality matters more than quantity. Mm. And today, like quality is almost all that matters. Yep. So I'm really glad, you know, for that's about four years ago, he pointed that out. And that was really a catalyst for change for me back then. Cool. Uh, I'll, we'll flip the, flip the question this time. What's the worst piece of advice that you've ever heard? Could be something that, you know, like something marketing related, SEO related that you keep hearing repeated, even though it's uh, total nonsense. Uh, what was, what would that be? Uh, can I go back in time for this or does it have to be like today? Oh, sure. Anytime. Okay. So gosh, I would have to say, I mean, there's a lot less of this happening. So I think that's what's really good to see. But um, back in 2016, whenever I was going through <laughs> that craziness with those two managers that we had to fire that were stealing from us, um, I was talking to different business coaches about how to recover. Mm -hmm. And back then the advice like I was getting was constantly, you know, try to try to hide it, try to not put that in the public view because mm. that's TMI and you're going to turn off some people. Mm -hmm. And that just went against my gut so much. And I didn't use that advice because it went against my gut. And if there's anything I've learned, it's that going with my instincts have been the number one thing that has paid off. Mm -hmm. So I decided, okay, I'm going to have to go in the face of this advice and be honest. So we were really honest with our customers whenever all that happened. You know, we kind of told them what happened. We told them how we were going to repair. And we told them that I was going to be the one personally guaranteeing their project success. And I was. I was the one delivering orders the next week. So we actually had an increase in sales after I did that, like that weekend, right after I sent that email, we had this gigantic influx in sales mm. and I could directly map it to sending that really transparent message out. Wow. So I see a lot less of that though today. And I'm really glad, you know, today it's more, you hear more messages that are pro um, transparency mm -hmm. and authenticity. Yep. 
So I think that's the good news is that there's a shift happening in that direction. And we're not just going the archaic way of, you know, being a stiff professional with our collared shirts on. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of veering into, you know, being more approachable Mm -hmm. and transparent and authentic. Okay. If you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Oh, I would say it would just be to, gosh, hang in there. As simple as that sounds, Mm -hmm. that that would be what I would say, because there were so many moments where I couldn't see the future and it felt like failure was going to happen, but then Mm -hmm. failure didn't. So (laughs) hang in there. That would be my number one thing that I would say. Yep. Good advice. Um, In your opinion, how can newcomers to the industry eventually become successful? What have you found are some of the keys to sustainable success? I think, um, a commitment to quality, you know, kind of what we were talking about quantity versus quality and Mm -hmm. the difference in those standards. I see a lot of bloggers, writers, freelancers, they're achieving success quicker than I was because of their standards and also um, how they tie themselves to a niche. So I think those two things, you know, whatever you do, make it be super high quality, be the best at what you do, and then tie that to an industry or a niche. And I think you'll be a lot more successful faster. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, what are you most excited about in uh, SEO or marketing right now? Oh, interesting question. Hmm. I think, um, you know, one of the things that really has me excited lately is kind of seeing the shift specifically in sales. So um, right now, how prospects come in and convert, there is like such a big shift happening. And I studied this on several different publications. And um, one thing I see is how the sales funnel, which was actually um, invented or formulated in 1920, Mm -hmm. it's kind of dying and it's kind of going by the wayside. So instead of just trying to attract, um, build up, and then close our prospects. It's more of a nurturing sequence that we have to think of. Mm. And that is so much more customer friendly. And I'm really excited to see that happening. You know, it's like all those pop-ups where, do you want to make money? Yes, I want to make gobs of money. No, (laughs) I don't want to make any money at all. Yep. You can't really do that anymore. That doesn't work. Yep. So that shift is really exciting to me because I think in the end, um, something Mark Schaefer explores in his new book is the most human form of marketing wins. And that mm. is like really cool to see that happening. Absolutely. My final question, what's next for Julia McCoy? Oh, biggest question at the end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hmm. I would have to say um, probably the new book that is about to come out. We don't have a date for it yet, but I'm really excited about it. And um, when that book comes out, there will definitely be kind of a shift in what I'm doing. And that will be tied to um, working on Content Hacker, you know, doing more workshops, potentially speaking or consulting at a high level. Mm-hmm. So I really want to be involved in brand strategies, not necessarily um, just content creation. Mm-hmm. I love creating content, but, you know, with ha- the industry how it is, I think you need more than just content creation to see true marketing success. So that's a shift for me is to do that through Content Hacker. And then when the book comes out, you know, I'm really excited to kind of broaden my message and share kind of, you know, what you talked about in that headline that I published on Thrive, how I found my passion doing something in like the worst environment possible. Mm -hmm. And that little seed of finding my passion has turned into this little empire that now allows me to live pretty much financially free. Yep. So that is my broader message. And that is something, you know, that really lights me up that I can share that and inspire other people. Mm. Awesome. So remind people where they can find you on social media or anywhere online and, uh, uh, feel free to plug anything. If there's anything in particular, like a piece of content or anything in particular, you'd like uh, people to check out of yours. Thanks. 
I would, um, for social media, you can find me at Julia E. McCoy. That's on Twitter, uh, Facebook as well. Instagram, I'm Femme Entrepreneur, so a slightly different handle there. I'm also on YouTube as Julia E. McCoy. And um, I would say if there's anything for a shout out, Content Hacker is something that the first year my strategy with Content Hacker is to kind of share a lot of free resources that add value to marketers' lives. So definitely go check Content Hacker out. And there is a free ebook that I'm giving away um, for a limited time tied to the launch. And once you're on the email list, um, something we're doing in the first few months is asking our subscribers for real-time feedback. Like, what kind of topics do you want to see me write on? So that's something I'm really excited about with Content Hacker is just focusing on it being a resource. So definitely check that out if you haven't yet. And I'd love for you to be a part of that community. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, in closing, Julia, I just wanted to say how impressed I am with you. Uh, you have an amazing work ethic, and it's been awesome just watching you and your company evolve over the past couple of years since we've been working together at SEJ. Uh, Thank you, you. you do some that. you do some truly amazing writing and you're you know easily one of my favorites to read uh, whenever you're on search engine journal um, so thanks. Oh, thanks so thank you for all you do to help uh, SEJ and of course to help all the other marketers reading you up there content and SEO game and of course you also have a really a truly inspiring story as we talked a little bit about on this call and I can't wait to read the book Um you know, you have that's one of those stories that just proves that anything is possible in this life, no matter what mm -hmm. you have to deal with. And yes. uh, I really just can't wait to see where you go from here and wherever that ends up being based on what I know about you. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. So uh, thanks again for joining us today and sharing your story. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So, uh, yeah, that does it for us on this edition of the Search Engine Journal Show. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening today. I really appreciate it. I uh, hope you'll all tune in again next week. Uh, and if uh, have you just subscribed to our podcast? If not, this is your call to action. Do it now. Uh, you can follow Search Engine Journal at SE Journal on Twitter, and you can follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. And as always, you can follow me at Mr. Danny Goodwin on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, so long.